In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. I hope the sun is shining. I hope that you're in the mood to learn something new and spend a little time in a in an interesting, quiet conversation about just what's going on in the world. I have an incredible guest for you today, Dr. Barbara Clape. And we're going to be navigating a a wide range of different knowledge and talk about waves of transformation and the spirit that thrives in complexity and a passion for understanding. Dr. Dr. Clave's brilliance extends far beyond academic circles. With the diverse pursuits, she seamlessly weaves together the threads of arts, medicine, and systemic thinking. From recording songs with Cuban musicians to holding a black belt and lean Six Sigma, she embodies the essence of a multifaceted Renaissance soul. So I hope you'll join us in celebrating the dynamism of Dr. Barbara Klebe, who not only grasps the complexity of various fields, but also empowers others to rise from being stuck to flowing effortlessly. Dr. Barbara, thanks for being here today. How are you? Great. Thank you. A little bit tired, but great. If I feel the Hawaiian energy coming to Switzerland, even better. Yeah. Isn't it interesting and such a wonderful time where I can be in Hawaii and you can be in Switzerland and we can have a conversation like this? Yes, that's wonderful. I agree too. What maybe you could give people a little bit of a background on on who you are and and what you got going on these days? Um, I'm. I mean, who I am is always a very deep and a question. I start with my what I've done. <laughs> Yeah. So the, uh, I've done quite a few things. The, my first profession that I learned was photographer. And before finishing it, I started to study medicine and I specialized in gynecology and obstetrics. And once I had a job that was a bit boring and I couldn't live all my capacity. So instead of getting frustrated, I searched out what to do. And I did a course a music course that where I learned songwriting. Um, I've always been singing with my family as a kid. I always invented the second voice. My father uh, was a singer. So that's something that was close to me. Uh, and I've already also had singing lessons at that time. So I did this course and I, I got the songwriting virus. And then I started writing songs. And I was in Cuba, I met a musician and he organized me musicians to uh, to record my songs at the studio and everything. So that was like a fairy tale. And um, later I wanted to actually promote my music, but it didn't, it didn't uh, really work out that way. Um, and then I came into the direction of coaching which of course I have already done with my private patient as a doctor uh, 
because I want them to be well in the end. And some need medicine and some need something else. So some needed coaching. So I went into this field. I studied a lot of about this. Um, and then I thought I have to find a niche, but finding a niche was always something very sad for me because I thought I have to squeeze myself between two big walls and uh, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm not free anymore. So uh, I was in, in uh, Hawaii once with people learning this coaching and entrepreneurship and a lot of them called me renaissance woman and so other people also called me polymath then i thought oh actually that's a, a great uh thing to have my bumper sticker on and and uh, that then i started to write about polymaths and to attract polymaths into the networking coffee which is just a zoom room that i open for a for an hour and everybody starts to to talk about the topics that I'm giving them and that I'm introducing with several emails. I think you it's it's wonderful and I'm glad that you do it. I think getting people together to discuss about how to live a meaningful life on some level and I I think what you said about being put into a niche really it really takes away from a meaningful life sometimes like we're so much more than what we do every day we're so much more than the labels we give ourselves and sometimes that can be really limiting and it can lead to limiting beliefs and if you just take some time whether it's singing or songwriting or finding a hobby that you enjoy i really think you can begin to expand your awareness and start to live more of a, a full life is that maybe you can touch on that a little bit yeah, I I'm to, I totally agree with with you on that. And I mean, I I call what I'm doing coaching, but to be honest, I'm doing uh, a lot of things from the realm of healing. Since I started started to study medicine, I then I studied homeopathy. I I do plant medicine, acupuncture. I studied. I didn't I didn't do those three things, but it's to have the awareness and the openness, and to think in different medical systems. I think that's very important because doctors would just say it doesn't work. It's like a drop of blah, blah in the ocean. And and uh, yeah, they're just, they're having another life than me. So I find we, especially nowadays, we need this openness because clients want it, patients want it, everybody wants it. So as a doctor, we have to, to go with the flow. And um, so the last thing I actually learned is uh, Akashic Records reading, which is fascinating. Yeah, we should talk about that. What I, know, I remember reading when I was younger about Edgar Casey and the Akashic Records. That was sort of my like intro into it a little bit and learning about it. But maybe you could talk a little bit about how you got interested in that and how you read it and, and what you found inside there. Um, I... Just so I, put, I, I kind of got interested. I got a reading because I knew somebody, and then I thought, yeah, it's 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 good. She actually said, in one of my last, in one of my past lives, I've been a polymath, a woman, and all my kind of all the stuff that I discovered was taken away uh, from me by men. Whether one believes it or not, I found it an interesting thing that now I'm also a polymath, but I'm kind of getting recognized as such uh, which is which is wonderful and and it's for me it's wonderful to be a polymath and um the reading i just saw a podcast um and and then i thought this woman i like this woman that teaches that and i went to her homepage and then I found that you can you could you could learn it for free from her homepage. She gives some part of it even she's calling she's called Laura Co. Um, but then I did some courses and I I got the virus. It was just I was just it was just I was just blown away what I could all see. She said you you see just uh, maybe some shape or some form or something, but I had a 
carousels coming to me mm. and it felt very meaningful and very beautiful and very deep and then i thought i need to be certified on uh, on that so i'm in this process now and what i'm what what happens there is uh, i get pictures i normally didn't get pictures i have some uh, extrasensory uh, capacities but not seeing that's new um i hear it's but it's not really the picture sometimes it's it's like a picture and something sometimes it's like a pre-picture if mm -hmm. you imagine the picture is not really there but you know it's a picture and then uh, you have something uh, you hear stuff it's also not for me not like hearing a voice it's just but it's it's auditive in a way mm -hmm. or then it's just a knowing that i just know what 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 is there and as a polymath the key thing is i'm curious i'm curious and i'm comfortable in the space of not knowing mm -hmm. and this space is actually where you get all the no knowledge it's called beginner's mind so if you think you know, you cannot really learn. But if you if you know that you don't know, then you have all this curiosity and the stuff is kind of given to you. And um, in the Akashic Records, it was very easy for me. Everything I saw, I said, what does that mean? And then I just got the information. And like that, the flow came came quite quickly to me. And I've, I've done some, some deep readings that, that really helped people so far. I like the idea. I've never heard it put that way before where, you know, it's, it's the curiosity that is the key, you know, and there is this sort of, I, I hear some people refer to it as like a download or a knowing, but it, it, it seems like a revealing to me. And it, when you start tapping into some, some certain areas, it seems like it's not that we really learn anything. It's that stuff's revealed to us. Does that sound about accurate? For me personally, but I mean, my, my, my i said extrasensory perception mm -hmm. is more in the feeling of i can feel energies ah. so i the the first thing was by giving somebody the hand so you couldn't you couldn't um say something you couldn't lie to me and give me the hand i would kind of know it and then afterwards it was also in in a in a, a space i could imagine persons i could imagine my own feeling and that's not linked to time but i could link it to time so i could say when i'm making this exam what will the what how will how will i feel and then i got the exactly the pattern of how i felt and then after and then i could say how would i feel if i pause and how would i feel if i'm not pause and then you and and then i knew um whether I would pass the exam, but also after the exam, I felt exactly that way. And oh, wait a minute, <laughs> I already had hmm. perceived this uh, this way of feeling like I'm feeling now. So it's it's kind of, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and it is interesting. And then I could also perceive people that were not there, that I have never met, how they are, I could, described that so it kind of developed this sense developed i think if we have those senses we have to work with them but we have to also work with them in a way that we can verify them or at least that's my attitude towards it because yeah otherwise you can get led astray and you don't realize yeah how, how do you verify it though like i mean is it is it like a feeling of verification or it seems kind of slippery? No, I find that the way that I just described, did I pause mm. the test? How did I feel afterwards? Mm. That was verifiable. Right. And the thing to actually get there is to not follow the, the, the loud voices in the head, but follow the very, very fine, fine tones and sensations not like yeah i'm happy today then that's not a not a such such a sense is very very quiet so you have to actually um learn the skill of listening to that is my 
take on it. Do you feel it's like similar to listening to your heart? Like I hear a lot of people say, listen to your heart or listen to the voice inside. Was that kind of similar? Yeah, I would say, because they don't mean listen to the heart. They mean, they don't mean uh, listen to the heartbeat, but they mean um, sense what's in the heart space. And uh, and with these senses, you can sense different parts of your body and focus on them. And then... uh, if it's, you can sense whether your energy goes kind of up and you're not grounded, and then you don't listen so much to the heart, more to the head. Yeah. Do you think it's these are skills that everybody possesses, but we've just kind of they've kind of atrophied, or they've there's so much distractions that it's so hard to hear our hear the inner voice. Do you, do you think that there's some truth to that? Yes, I think uh, it's it's interesting that Laura Coe, she mm-hmm. says everybody can learn Akashic Records reading. They have to just practice. Uh, she's taught many, many people. So I think everybody has those senses, but they need to learn to listen to it. And for me, it's not a download. A download so- sounds like something that comes and then you have it. For me, it's more like a circulating energy. And this can be in a form of energy or or picture or knowing. or. But it's 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 always moving it's not stuck in one place yeah it's sometimes i think that there's periods it seems to me like when you look back at the renaissance or you look back at certain periods in history it's almost as if there's different cycles of energy and it kind of seems that we're moving into this new cycle of energy now where i'm beginning to see so much creativity brewing and things happening and changes happening what, is, is, what do you think about that? Is there different cycles? Are we tapping into a, sort of a new cycle now? Or what's your take on that? I think so. At least from my own perception, it's much easier to learn stuff. Yeah. And it's much easier to access stuff. You get to see stuff like this. Um, 20 years ago, I would not even have seen the Akashic reading or I would, would have maybe heard from the person who read me and found, yeah, that's something for her. I... I've had the reading and now it's it's fine for me, but I wouldn't have been shown different ways, a different personality uh, to, to do that and find the one that suits me and then easily get there. Stuff speeds up. And also in this course, people are much faster than they were in the previous courses. Yeah, it does seem like an acceleration. It seems like there's a lot of change is happening. You had mentioned earlier that being comfortable with uncertainty is a big part of it. A lot of people, myself included sometimes, it's difficult to not know, even though we never know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very it's great that you're saying that because you can go and say, "Oh, I don't know what's coming." And I was in this place also for some time, yeah. especially during COVID, like sure. most people. And then now I think I'm just enjoying what's now and that I have a good life now and I have this inner peace and and the joyfulness. And I thought, yeah, why do I need to care for, maybe it's worse later, but now, if I'm, if I'm starting to worry now, then I'm wasting the now. So I better I better focus on on being with this joyful presence and look at the beautiful lake and stuff uh, instead of starting to worrying about a future that never comes like that. Yeah, it it seems like it's never the thing you worry about. It's some random event that happens on Tuesday at four p.m. or something like that that you never thought of. Like that's the thing you gotta you know that's the thing that really gets you, but. There is something, you know, whether it was Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now or a lot of the Buddhist tradition or I know Perry in the Octopus Movement talks about the beauty between two thoughts. There's something really grounding about just being thankful and having gratitude in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, gratitude, using the senses. Mm -hmm. I I like the word awe because we have very beautiful landscape here in Switzerland and as well in, in Hawaii. Yeah. And you can just have this feeling of awe where everything opens up and you're automatically in the moment unless you're not able to really enjoy that. Yeah. 
I think if you, I think most people can do an exercise where if they just stay quiet for a little bit and look around, they can find the beauty in the moment, whether it's a book, whether they're in their home or whether they're just enjoying the silence in their own thoughts for a moment. Like there's, there's real power in, in slowing down and, and being silent and, and observing the now. What are some, maybe you could talk about some of the, is there like a certain like exercise or is there a certain sort of thing that you do to prepare when you want to look into the Akashic records or is there a certain sort of setup or maybe there's a certain, certain setup that you do? Yeah, the, the, the records you read, uh, something like a, I, ca I call it a prayer and I, I don't know whether mm. that's the official term, but it's something like a prayer. It's, it's beautiful. You thank and you open the record. You need both uh, all the names of the person. So you open the right record and then, and then you have to be quiet and then you have uh, either pressure in the head or I sense like a energy zone here where, where transparent energy is. Uh, I don't sense it all the time. Is exactly the same. Is there, when people come to you, is there like a certain sort of pattern that people are looking for? Are people looking for, if they come to you for a reading, is it, are they trying to figure out, what do they seem to be searching for? Um, I don't know what that will be because I right. started out and I searched out the people and say, do you want to have a reading? Or when, uh, for example, my partner had a problem, mm -hmm. I, I did a reading for him and now I can see it in his behavior that he wants another reading. And then I said, do you want a reading? And he says, yes, because they are very effective. And <laughs> like changing uh, in the context of changing the job or interaction with people or some people want to know all kinds of stuff. What's my purpose? Nobody asked me that yet, but that's a question that I have to fix back. Um, the thing is, it's non-judgmental. Hmm. So you cannot say, is this the right way for me or not? These, these forces are non-judgmental, totally. There's no right or wrong. There's something so intimate in a conversation that's between two people talking about purpose or maybe looking at the records of their life. It seems like on some level, and maybe just in my life or in other people's lives that I've spoken to, but that seems to have gone missing on some level. And maybe that's that's so, that's sort of the spiritual transfer that's happening when you sit down with someone. Yeah. But it's, I mean, the thing I'm doing is I start a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's the normal thing. I start a conversation and then I am getting somewhere where we were, the, the, if I'm doing a coaching, the coachee is stuck. Maybe it's something that he doesn't know or she doesn't know or, or a, a mindset or a trauma or whatever. And then I look, which of the many tools in my toolbox would be the, the the suiting tool to help this person. And then if if it's not the first coaching, then they can even choose what what works better for them. So that's what why why it's great to be a polymath and has have learned so many things that I can just take the right tool out of the toolbox. Do you ever like score it with music. Like it seems to me that music might be a good bridge to per put people in a certain state, or it may be a way in which someone afterwards can can use music to think about the stuff that was said. But do you ever incorporate music into it? Thank you for the tip. I haven't done it yet, but <laughs> I'm doing a coaching course with uh, polymaths to mm -hmm. teach them all kinds of uh, of healing modalities, and and it's a twelve weeks. A meditation course as well and uh, there one of the in one of the sessions we sang one of my my songs the it's called the laughter and then the chorus you can just make the laughing sound and i made them dance after the meditation because that brings you into a flow and i have a kind of a 
com complex thing where you, you link to all your positive emotions of your childhood so that you get into a really uplifted state and that um, holds for the whole day. Yeah, it sounds it sounds powerful. There's something to be said about the way we use our body and the link between the body and the mind. And you know, when I look back at some of the indigenous traditions, they would have all kinds of unique dances or you know, where they would dance for hours and get into an ecstatic state or a different state of awareness. It's pretty amazing to think about. Yes, it is. Or drum. Yeah. Drum or singing or or so you you kind of I think you can do that they can just sing themselves into a trance state. Do you th what, what, is that a relationship to resonance, do you think, like singing and dancing? Are you putting out a certain vibration that is calling out to a vibration on the planet, or are you syncing with a vibration on the planet? Is there a resonance there? With the singing? Sure. Hmm. Uh, rarely there are some jam sessions at the lake of Zurich sometimes and mm -hmm. but and then certain moments there I, I can kind of like sing like the earth would sing through me but they're mm -hmm. very short moments and it's not the, the right space and the right people uh, to do that long term but that would be something that that uh, one could cultivate and then I mean the voice is a, an important instrument in leadership. Yeah. And I mean, as a doctor, I sometimes need to lead through situations that are not easy. And if I have, if I can use my voice and my body in a way that is really conscious, then I can just lead and people have no, no fear because I'm I'm aware and I'm there for them. And this starts for me. I have a point in my body where where I start that is in my back where I kind of I grout myself and I hold myself in a special way and then it's much easier to to deal with things like that. Yeah, it's interesting that it kind of reminds me of the different yoga positions how some people choose different positions to help them get in different states, but that takes us back to the body and and healing modalities. What what role do you think that when we look at artwork? I think that artwork is often inspired by different states of awareness. And how, what, maybe you could speak to that a little bit the the relationship between maybe the akashic records, awareness, and artwork. I would leave the Akashic Records out of it because I think the Akashic Records is something that we are just given. Mm. And intuition, you have to not use your intuition there. Because if you use your own intuition there, then you're getting to a smaller picture. And the Akashic Record itself gives you a big picture. So, but intuition and... and, and uh, Art. So when I'm writing a poem or or a song or so, yeah. I'm getting into a, a and and I just got aware of it. I didn't do it intentionally, but it's it's a very slight trance state that I'm that I'm getting, and then I'm in flow, and the stuff just comes to me quite quick. If I want to to if I have this density of emotions or or a topic that even is hurtful for me that I want to write a song about. And then I, I get into this state, which is uh, more relaxed than normal, like a, a, not really a trans state, but it's in into this direction. And then I can just write it and then it's mostly good. And then I can just make small corrections and that's it. So it's very fast. Yeah, it almost sounds like a receiver. Like on some level, you're the receiver and it's kind of flowing through you. Yeah, but that would be channeling and it's not. Mm. It's, it's. I mean, part of it might be channeling. I think it's multifaceted. Okay. As a polymath, I have the information from maybe some part is channeled and then other parts is my what I've learned. 
and then other parts are coming from my own experience and stuff like this and i can qu quickly access those yeah hmm do you do you have like a daily practice of meditation is it something you do every day yes i started in covid where i was kind of fearful for for two weeks or so mm. and then I knew, I knew I need to change something and then I started the meditation practice and I'm doing it uh, daily since then what and what does that look like is that like um I'm starting with breath then I'm starting with uh then I'm continuing with um focusing on the five senses I have six senses because it's not just the sense of touch it's also the sense of how we're positioned in in the room that mm. i that i look at and then i'm doing some breathing and then i'm just going into a mantra meditation yeah it's interesting to think about the way in which our daily practices and how those those routines can have long ramifications on our life if we, if we just put into practice something small that little seed can grow into something wonderful if we continue to nurture it on some level. Oh, and I also integrated some movements that I needed for, for my body to be healthy. Mm. So that's that's the when I'm doing it, then I'm doing it. Because it's hard to do something daily. If you do it just like three o'clock in the evening, you do that thing and then you do that thing. And there's science that it's better to make the a habit stack it's called where mm. you're doing all the stuff after each other then you have to just have one cue which means i do this session or if you don't want to go to do sports i pack my bag already i just say i take my my rucksack and i'm and on my shoulders and then the this the rest of the stuff you do automatically or or follows it's stacked on upon each other. So you have to just remember one thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I noticed I'm not too fast. No, <laughs> <With> my... <laughs> not at all. I just, like, I, I just have a lot of different thoughts when it comes to these different areas. I, wh what do you think about language? You know, when, when I look at language, the, the language people use in their life, do you think that that plays a, major role in, in in awareness at least in your life like you know what i mean by like the patterns of language i've noticed that different people have different patterns of language and it seems like those people that have like a a slower path of language or a or a different a lighter tone of language they seem to have a different kind of energy have you noticed that as well um i think people are using the language that suits to their character and mm. their body and their environment. So when I'm talking, for example, with a patient, I'm totally aware of everywhere I'm saying, because if I'm using the wrong words, I have an authority that is in the profession. And then if I'm using your wrong words, they stick more than if you're just having a conversation with a stranger. So it's a you, responsibility. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah. Hmm. Maybe you could, is there a certain, when, when you, when you look back at some of the coaching that you've done for people, is there a certain transformative experience that stands out to you that you can share? Um, can I first say something to the language? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> because yeah. I think it's also very important to look at the voices we have in our head. Yeah. I've, I've, I've trained a year long in a coaching that was looking at the at the voices in the head, they, they called it saboteurs. Mm. So when you're aware of those, then you can also 
have a more relaxed life and not let them just sabot self-sabotage you. So, yeah. Okay, a transformative yeah. experience. Yes. For example, um, one... Okay, I take my boyfriend because I know I can, I can talk about his story. Um, he always had shame in his life, and it really drove him. And um, he was fast, and people didn't really listen to him because he was too fast. And and when you're driven by shame, you're not so attentive and open to other people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then one day he had an accident. And I thought he could have died in the, it was an accident on the highway. Mm. And I thought, oh, how, how did you feel? Because I was uh, thinking, yeah, uh, he might have had fear or something like this. And then he said he had shame. So I was like, yeah, but this is not an adequate feeling for the situation. Why did you have shame? And then uh, we looked at where the shame com come from. And I did some... Uh, exercise with him and the shame left him for good forever and it was like his life started new from there he's now in the growing up phase and taking leadership but he said it's it's this it he felt light and it was forever taken from him and he totally changed he's now developing empathy and st and stuff like this which before he was just and following what the shame pushed him to do. What what was the what was that exercise to help exercise the shame out of him? Uh, it was that? it was linked to tapping. I'm using that sometimes. Mm. It's emotional freedom technique, mm -hmm. but it's it's linked to to the way it's the way I'm doing it is linking it to to a picture, and then it becomes much more powerful. So pattern interruption and then simultaneously slipping in a new pattern. Yes. Hmm. It's a kind of a, I mean, tapping is very powerful. It has been, it has been done with uh, poor veterans and stuff like this. Yeah, and I've sure. also worked with, uh, with somebody with war trauma. It's worked and he was in a burnout state and he was, in the verge of not getting to to work anymore and we had two sessions and afterwards with that and a bit um um cold water and stuff he he, he was he's now working again so it, it's very powerful and it can be false but it, it depends on how you're doing it mm -hmm. who you are how attentive are you are you using the words that are aligned with exactly that person at that moment and then it's it's powerful and if you're just doing it standard it's also powerful but not not that powerful yeah have you worked in any group settings before it seems that some people like to work with individuals and then there's different group settings and i, I know that you said you had a um a class coming up with all these different people you know some meditation maybe you could talk about the difference between working in groups versus working with an individual yeah, it's interesting you're saying that because uh, I have this mindset that I just like to work one-to-one -one and I mm -hmm. wouldn't even want to work with a pair of people. But then I did this networking coffee where I'm, where I'm with uh, um, 20 people like me and I'm facilitating them. They have high energy. They have a lot of ideas and everything like this. So now I'm feeling very comfortable and, and at ease with the group as well. So when I did some... some uh, teaching to my fellow doctors yesterday morning i i i was very comfortable even though uh, people came in in the middle of the session and blah 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 nothing can perturb me anymore like <laughs> after this experience it's kind of cool and i also have this group course where i'm working with several people and i, I and i like that as well so now i would say i like both <laughs> no groups have some advantages because in a one-to-one, -one, it's just me and you. In a group, we have different inputs. And people 
can listen to what the other person says and are not involved. And the involvement causes a certain amount of stress. But if you, you can just hear a story and this story really resonates, maybe you learn more than if you were the one that has to present and, and, and go into this slightly stressful situation. Yeah, it, it seems very helpful on some level to be an observer, not of yourself, but an observer to two other parties that are discussing something similar about you. Like it really just gives you like a shift in perspective, it seems like. Yeah. Yes, I observed that in the in a coaching program that mm -hmm. I did as a as a participant. That it, that was cool. If you were on the hot seat, it was quite stressful <laughs> in front of so many people. But if you could hear and somebody had exactly this problem, then you say, "Oh, how cool!" Mm -hmm. Yeah. On some level, I'm getting this. I I've been thinking a lot about ceremony. And ceremonies seems like, to me, is just a word for a group of people solving a problem together. But it seems like we don't really have, at least in the Western world, we don't have a whole lot of ceremonies anymore. What's your take on the word ceremony, group settings, and maybe the lack thereof? Maybe I'm creating something like that now. But yeah, uh, yeah because I was asked, to, we need to have some more ceremony. We cannot just med meditate yeah. in the morning. We want to do that for our life now that we are in your course. Okay, so I took that on board and and yeah. Um, yeah, I think we have that. We don't have that enough. Starting from babies get put to bed. Okay, that's rituals, but a ritual is something like a like a ceremony yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it seems that with the lack of ceremony and ritual comes the lack of spirituality. And it's at least in the circle that I have ran with until recently, maybe this just speaks to me, but you know, that I really feel that there's a, a resurgence of spirituality happening. And maybe that comes with, with the changes that are happening on the earth or the changes in our age or something like that. But have you also noticed like a, a, revamping or a sort of new spiritual connection that's happening yeah i would say it's it's kind of more prevalent mm -hmm. uh, there was a spiritual wave in the when was that in the 80s or so that gave me the cringes because it was so ungrounded and so mm -hmm. kind of esoteric i i was a bit involved with it but it didn't it's not it wasn't a good thing and it was an abuse of power. Mm. And I think now we have diff and a different mindset towards it as well. It's becoming more grounded and more normal and kind of just like broadening our awareness. And there are instances where spirituality is very important. For example, if you have somebody who died mm -hmm. in, your, in your proximity, then you need some spirituality. If you don't have it, it's it's much harder to bear. And there you need the rituals as well. A people coming together, making music together, sitting mm -hmm. somewhere together and hugging each other and knowing you're not alone and then eating together and having a conversation. So there the rituals are still intact and I think they're very important. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the the ritual and the spirituality around death. It seems like that's so much of what drives us in, in modern consumer culture is this, is this race from the, from the hospital to the graveyard. You know, it's like, we're so caught up in just consuming and racing. It, it seems like it just could be a giant fear of death. There is <laughs> some there. Oh, sorry. Like, yeah, no problem. Take your time. temperature of seven degrees Celsius. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah. There is a spiritual writer on LinkedIn that I'm I'm connected with and and interacting with. And he says it's mostly people are motivated by fear of death. Mm. 
it's a pretty good motivator. It seems like it's a base motivator. And it seems like one that can be amplified to get people to act a certain way. When people are acting out of fear, they're not acting as their higher self. They're just like in, in their get through one day mode, you know, when it stops yeah. you from smelling the roses or create, it seems, it seems to have a, a counteraction to creative. If you're in fear, it's really hard to be creative. It's true. And maybe creativity could take away, take you away from, from fear. I'm just uh, thinking about all the art therapy mm -hmm. that is happening in the, in the tumor clinics, for example. So I think you're kind of expressing it and also you're focusing on something else. You're expressing your fear and you're, you're focusing on art instead of your fears yeah. when you're doing art therapy in this setting. Yeah. It would be interesting to, and maybe this has been done before, but it would be interesting to see the, the neurofeedback from someone in a creative state versus someone who's in a fearful state. Not that I want to put someone in a fearful state and like measure them, but it would be interesting to see the changes that are happening with the brainwaves on some level. It's the brainwaves and it's the, it's the places in the brain. Mm. Uh, the, the, for example, it, it's, there's a study that shows that the limb, uh, the, the amygdala in the part of the limbic system that creates the emotional um, shrinks when you're doing re uh, regular meditation. And then there's this um, left brain, right brain discussion that's right. coming up now. There was an old one that was not right. But the, 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 I think the right brain is the one that is more with uh, linked with sense making and seeing the big picture and stuff like this. Yeah, I think Ian McGilchrist has written a couple of books about it. One was called The Master and the Emissary. And then his latest one is called The Matter with Things. And he talks about the way in which the right hemisphere has this big picture and it can understand like the symbolic meaning of things. And then left hemisphere is like this analytical scalpel that just wants to put everything in words and chop it down real fine and make it super simple. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, he was discussing my networking coffee. I, I didn't get to this idea and people said, read the book. I tried to find it. Uh, I didn't find it in this bookshop that I tried. So I went to see some videos, which I like more because then you see how the people are as persons and, how they interact with each other. And I've seen, uh, we, I've studied him in, in several videos. So I have some knowledge about this topic, but I haven't read the, the book actually. Have you? you know, I, I've read um, The Master and His Emissary, but I haven't read the, the big, his new two volume set. I've seen some of the videos too, where he goes on and speaks about the different chapters and stuff. And yeah, I admire that too. It's, you know, it's really interesting in this time and, and just, just as we're talking about it, it makes me think you can really get a different perspective when you can watch the author talk about the book that he wrote and then the words that he wrote. It's almost like another another dimension of learning. Yes. Yes. And I love that more than just writing the book, uh, reading the book. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes reading the book is better because you have your own fantasy in it. So I, I wouldn't exclude it excluded but for me personally i i love the videos yeah I, I i see what you're saying it's it's nice to create the own video in your head but it's also nice to get to see the other modalities and and just using all of your senses to absorb the information versus just one or two of the senses yes but i think we should maybe do both maybe i should read yeah. more yeah, I, I think it's important. I, you know, I, um, there's a really, no, there's another great book by Marshall McLuhan called the Gutenberg galaxy. And in that book, he talks about how the printing press shifted our awareness because it gave us ideas like exact repeatability. You know, when the book came out, all of a sudden I could tell you exactly what the author said, instead of it being more of a story where I had to translate it and give it to you in my way and put my filter on it. And, it's more of a living language in that time versus exact repeatability. Here's what they boom, boom, boom. Kind of an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like. No, it's yeah. really an interesting thought. Yeah. It kind of opens many doors. <laughs> yeah.
it does. It's it's interesting. In yeah. some ways, I feel like we're. I feel like that's the same. That's what today's world is doing. Like when you when you can interact with AI in a way. Like I, I think it's shifting our sense ratios a little bit. Like you like you said earlier, it's it's really cool to watch the author to watch Ian McGillcrest have the book and you can absorb it in a different way. And that has, if you absorb it in a different way, that has to change the way the output comes, right? If you're taking it in differently, the way it comes out has got to be different as well, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the author cannot just write a book. He has to also be a presentable personality. But all, yeah. the ones who aren't, they don't have to go on so many videos like Ian McGillcrest, mm -hmm. who is kind of fun to watch, at least for me. Yeah, me too. And he's a polymath, by the way. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the pages I have to read it like five times and just be like, wait a minute, there's a lot in this one sentence right here. I need to stop for a minute, you know. And that's that's half the fun of it too, because I guess that that gets us back to why reading is cool. If you stop, for me, I have like a ton of highlighters, and I'll just highlight this particular sentence and then be like, okay, I can't even get past this page. I got to think about this for a little bit. That, that's fun to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I also like the, the highlighting the stuff to actually memorize. Do you think that that's something in your new, in your future as a book? Are you going to maybe put out some books? Uh, give me an idea. Like maybe you could, maybe a book about, you know, the relationship between getting yourself and reading the Akashic records and then translating that to a group setting. Like I, I would read, you should write a book. I would totally read it. Yeah, but that that's too peripheral from all the stuff I'm doing. It should involve <laughs> more. That's like, me. It, it, it would kind of squeeze me in. If, yeah. if I were totally into doing just that, but I, I don't think so because I also like to teach. I also like mm -hmm. to to do the coaching. I also like to to do yeah. I, I like to do the the many things and the 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 art is to bring it together and still make a, a, a business out of it in a world yeah. where business is led in a totally opposite way. Yeah, it's interesting to think about where we're going and people that are built. It's, it's, I think it's fascinating to see the, the way in which business is changing. It seems like so much of the old business models is dying on some level. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I think, okay. When I was a kid, I was sitting on a tree and I was having philosophical discussions with myself. Um, and the discussions were, if I have shares, somebody has to work for those. And somebody, if I'm making a profit, somebody somewhere gets exploited for it. So it was clear for me as a kid already. I, I'm not so much into economy. That's why I'm taking right. this, this, this thing. And then my consequence was not to have shares, which maybe, maybe was a bit dumb. I don't know. But, um, but ethically, I thought it was not the thing for me to do. Um, and I think we've actually exploited too much now. We, I mean, in Switzerland, we're, we're at least looking after the water. In, in England, it's so that they can even let the water out into the into the rivers if and they're getting more and more loose with those with those laws so that that breaks my heart because people cannot go swimming anymore and somebody very few people make a profit from that so that has to really change we cannot go on like this or when i'm working in a hospital and in some actions we have to to throw away the 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 iron instruments because it's said to be cheaper. But if that's cheaper, then somebody has to bleed for that. Either it's the earth or a child labor child or whatever. I don't believe that this is actually a good thing to do. To take resources and just throw them away. And I think a lot of people are getting aware of that and it, they, they kind of 
really look, start to look after the resources better. And first, economies started with doing the marketing and behaving as if they were doing that, uh, big businesses, and thought that was enough. But I don't think it will be enough in the future. Yeah. So I think we're actually looking after more people are looking after the the balance or, or, or I don't know what, what what to say for for the or for the the systemic impact on economy on on everybody um and it I don't think it will be toler tolerated in 50 or 100 years that six people own half of the world's money yeah and everybody gets poorer and poorer and and uh, their struggle I, I have sometimes uh patients who have three professions to to get over to to get a living and i don't think that's fair yeah i i agree 100 i in some ways it's it seems fractal to me like the way we destroy the earth we destroy ourselves and you can see yeah. it in our communities like the more we extract whatever wealth the more we extract from who we are as human beings it's sad it's true <laughs> I and i wonder i wonder what when it has started i have this let this discussion with my boyfriend many times i think it started when we were uh owning land or something like this or when we were mm. sitting in one place because if you just yeah. move around then you have to be friendly to the stranger who crosses your path yeah i, I read somewhere that one of the longest standing structures is the grain tower of jericho and that that particular grain structure was the beginning of the idea of surplus and when you have surplus then you start having wars because all you have to do is just sit there and then you start building this up and then people are like, hey, they have all the stuff over there. Let's go get it. You know, and they say they had giant boulders. They could push off the Tower of Jericho to like smash people that would take their stuff. And like, but yeah, hunting and gathering, I think, seems to be a way where everyone has the communal land. And when you start when you maybe it's the concept of mine or me, you know, maybe that has something to do with it, too. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, we are not the first ones that have yeah. narcissists. If you look in a gallery of a castle. How do people look like? You can see that <laughs> in the faces. They were also that the governing classes were often narcissistic. Mm hmm. Giant life-size pictures of themselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that's so crazy. Look at this picture and of me. Much empathy on those pictures, but they, they, and then they were marrying each other, and they yeah. <laughs> No wonder we're so messed up. Look where yes, we came from. exactly. <laughs> and those were the role models we looked up to. No. I'm so thankful that we're waking up from that. Right? What's the what's the great line in James Joyce's book? History is the nightmare from which I'm trying to awaken. <laughs> I've never heard. <laughs> which book of James Joyce? I think it was Ulysses. Um, I think that's the last line in Ulysses. Somewhere close to it. So the thing I like about Ulysses that I have never read, but I've heard about is train of thoughts, but it's mm. more about James Joyce than maybe mm. it's even his words, but I'm, I'm using that a lot. So I have to kind of control that I'm not jumping too much because I think he was also maybe a polymath or so because he had many thoughts that he didn't, that were going on in the, in his head and he just, talked this word and then he went in his head and then he said the other word and then people cannot follow him that's why it's such a difficult book to read yeah yeah there's there's so much wisdom and literature that we can turn to and and get to relive in some ways like that's the beauty of maybe that's the beauty of a lot of artwork is that it reaches out to us and we can experience it in a way that's almost foreign today in some ways. So when, now I'm curious also where you come from and whether you may be a polymath. And yeah, can you please tell me a little bit? 
Yeah, I um, I grew up in California, and I have a lot of just, I have a lot of different ideas about things. And I, when I went to school, I had a lot of problems in not getting real good grades. I wasn't bad, but I I didn't understand things, you know. And for me, like. I couldn't solve math problems, especially word problems, because it was like this train leaves New York going 100 miles an hour and this train leaves over here going 75 miles an hour. My question was like, how many turns are on the track on the north one and what kind of what equipment is the train from the south hauling? How many cars does it have? And my teacher would be like, that's irrelevant. And I'm like, that's no, 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 that's imperative. Like we have to figure that out. Otherwise, we can't even do the math. And the teacher would be like, George, this is you're making it way too complicated. And I'm like, no, 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 you you are not telling me all the facts. And it's like I couldn't, like I would never be able to solve the problems, you know. And then the teachers would be like, I get a bad grade. And my parents would be like, How come you can't do that? And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. They don't even have the information. There's no point in doing that. Like, that's not even gonna be the answer. And so, like, that was like my that's where I realized I was like a little bit different than people. And that those same sort of insights in my life have been challenging for me for people to see me in the same way and so I didn't really fit in a whole lot like I, I could see different things like I had all kinds of different insights that people didn't have but that seemed to alienate me and then even even later in life when I would have different jobs and you know I worked for a multinational corporation and they just all they want they want to know about production and so I came to them with some answers like you guys aren't measuring all the variables. Therefore, you're not going to get the production standards that you want. And these production standards that you have, those are bullshit. These are just numbers that you created to force people to work harder. If you want better production, let's do it this way. And they would just stare at me and be like, you know what, George, you're, you're being very difficult. And I'm like, me? You're being difficult. You guys are using a system that doesn't work. And you're trying to tell me I'm the problem. And when I come to you with a solution... You guys say I'm the problem. How am I the problem? So you see, you know, I get fired, you know, and <laughs> yeah, like that. That's that's me. I love reading. I love like that's why I do this podcast. I get to talk to you and so many different people, and like I, I can't. It's very fulfilling for me to get to have two to three different conversations with three or four different people who think completely different. Like that fulfills me on a level that I've never been fulfilled before. And it's very helpful to me to make sense of the world when I can talk to other people and hear a radically different perspective. Like that is really helpful to me. And so I don't, I, I don't thoroughly understand what the word polymath means, but I do have a lot of interest and I love talking to people and learning. And maybe I like to think of myself as a jack of all trade, but master of none. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, that's, yeah. And and then the the phrase goes on and says, "But it's <laughs> it's better than have just one or something like this." <laughs> so actually, they took away the one that is the polymath the value. So I I would consider you to be a polymath as well. So yeah, and I think yeah, I think it's there are, it's fun to talk. To. There I think, are many of the words that, that hmm, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead, please. Yeah, there are many other words that are used, and 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 polymaths themselves don't like labels and don't like to label themselves as polymath. But it's it's helpful to have this label and know that polymath is a place where I could belong, and then yeah. meet others with that in mind, and then you're not the weird one anymore. The other ones are. In a in a in a gremium of polymaths, you're feeling very well. So that's why I created that. Yeah, I've I've recently was talking to Perry, who started the octopus movement, and like there's a lot of like I feel at home there in a lot of ways. Like I can sit down, too much like I feel at home with you. I I can sit down and just listen to people talk about random things, and I can listen to like three or four conversations at the same time and be like, ah, oh, like I kind of the, the the chaos factor for me is welcoming you know it's like yeah. oh okay there's four things going on like i, I can i can do that where, where most people would be like you have five things going on right you need to stop doing these things and do just one and i'm like i can't i can't do that like, so it's on some level i feel like we are we're just shifted or something yeah <laughs> it's so crazy 
But Dr. Barbara, I love talking to you. This is really fun. And I hope you'll come back. We should do more stuff together and have more conversations with more people. It's really fun and it's interesting. And But I, I wanted to take today to have everybody on my show introduce everyone that's listening out there to you. And before I let you go, where can people find you? What do you have coming up and what are you excited about? Um, what People can find me mostly on LinkedIn. I'm uh not so active on Facebook. I find that's a bit a waste of energy, but I, I'm there as well. I started to to try to to get uh, to know people via Facebook, so you find me there as well. And I'm having the networking coffee, and I'm having some projects that are just on the wall there. So I, I'm not wanting to... Uh, I, I need to it's not condensed enough to wanting to talk about it, but I want to do something polymathic and maybe we can talk one-to-one, -one, not public about it. Yeah, it would be interesting. Um, and, um, and I'm having this course uh, that I mentioned and I will do that again and I will make another course about uh, communication. That's, that's the next one I will plan for polymath because we have this problem. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, go down to the show notes, check out our LinkedIn profile, reach out to her. If what we talked about today seemed fascinating and interesting to you, reach out to her and look at the courses. I would highly recommend reaching out to her and maybe booking a, a discovery call with her and just getting to know her a little bit better. I, I really think you have a unique insight and I love what you're doing. And I hope, hang on briefly afterwards, I'll still talk to you shortly afterwards, but everybody that hung out with us today, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I hope you have a beautiful day. And that's all we got. Aloha. <laughs> Ciao. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place, and if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that... I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.